0: Welcome to the Sacred Ancestry podcast, a show about discovering the true human potential. Let's dive deep into physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual health. I'm your host, Thomas Worm. The best thing about the breakthrough sessions is when my client's entire physiology changes. Their voice changes, even the way they talk about things is completely different than it was before the session. Their entire life is changing of my eyes. The spark they had as a child is back. And what's so beautiful is that they are the exact client I need right now. Because whatever they release, I release too. I learn so much about myself every session. And the client releases a seed that connects all the problems in their life. The client is realigned in their mind, body, and spirit. That's the breakthrough session. So go to mountainmindtricks.com and sign up for a discovery session. So we can chat, learn more about each other, and see if you're a good fit for a breakthrough session. Go to mountainmindtricks.com. When you listen to the Sacred Ancestry podcast, you're supporting wildland firefighters and their mental health journey. So thank you and I appreciate you. Please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast so I can become the best podcaster I can be. You can become a Patreon, which means donating $10 a month will get you two free rollers of essential oils or $50 a month. And that's one free coaching session per month. So I want you to subscribe and leave a review so I can become the best podcaster possible. Thank you and I appreciate you. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm so excited for Cheryl Booth and Ray Zachary. They're co-authors of the Cosmic Talk Show, amongst so many other things. And we're going to talk about just amazing uh, hypnotherapy, a new book they're working on, Archangels, uh, Quantum Mechanics. There's so much in here. So I'm so excited to get this started. And Cheryl and Ray, can you introduce yourselves? And we'll start with Cheryl
1: yes hi and and thanks so much for having us on the show Thomas we really appreciate it and uh, your website and resume are very impressive and bless you for everything that you do too and uh, we're honored to be guests here today Um, I have been a psychic medium hypnotherapist life coach and um, mentor for others who want to Increase their own intuitive abilities for more than 35 years, all told. And um, Ray and I met initially um, in a very interesting way that we can get into in a little bit, maybe after he introduces himself, but um, through a client of mine that there was a common thread that wound up connecting Ray and myself. And um, he's a huge blessing in my life. And I'll let him tell you a little bit about himself. Take it away, Ray.
2: Well, okay. I was born and raised in North Texas and uh, got my college education in Austin at the University of Texas. Got a, Started out to be a doctor, and that didn't work out. Uh, ended up getting a master's degree in mathematics and went to work at Boeing, and I spent 42 years in the defense electronics and aerospace industries. Uh, very technical background. Started out as a computer programmer and ended up as a software program manager. Uh, I married uh, a wonderful girl in when I was about fifty years old, and uh, her name is Sharon, and she's a key player in this book. She's unfortunately deceased, but she's very much alive, and. Uh, My conversations with her, which I kind of stumbled into through the other players in this game, uh, have been revealing because I ask a lot of questions, having no knowledge whatsoever and no introduction whatsoever to the afterlife, uh, except through being a quasi-religious person in the Southern Baptist venue, uh, I didn't, I never thought about the afterlife particularly, except that one day there would be one. So I asked a lot of questions because I'm technically backgrounded and I expect I wanted to ask, one of the first questions I asked was, how many dimensions are there in heaven because I'm, as a mathematician, I think in terms of how do you describe fourth dimension, fifth dimension, and so forth. And I got, we got into that. And we got into it because other beings stepped into the picture to answer questions. People that are, are not people, but beings that are identified in the book as archangels and ascended masters have revealed... Monumental amounts of information that have an impact on our and our beliefs and understandings of the past, the present, and the immediate future. So that's where I'm coming from.
0: <laughs> wow, that's amazing! Yeah, thank you so much for for being here. Thank you for being on the show, and I'm so excited to get into this because uh, it sounds like. You know, when we were talking before, it's kind of like Cheryl and, and Ray, you, you two met kind of on this whimsical kind of thread, like you said, of, of uh, you know, you're working with a client. And could you just tell that story before we kind of move into some of the, sure. the channelings yeah. that, that, that went on with the book?
1: Of course. Yeah. I, I was uh, telling Thomas earlier before Ray joined us how we first connected. Um, I was doing a reading in the Sacramento California area where I was living at the time and I'm back living there now again uh, for the time being but this was several years ago back in um, I believe it was 2012 or early 2013 I did a reading for a client um, in a suburb of Sacramento at her home Uh, in the pre-COVID days I used I was a house call psychic sometimes, you know, many times people would come to me. Um, I've always worked with people over the phone and, and more recently through Zoom and Skype as well. But this particular reading was done for a client in her home and some of her loved ones came through and, and the things that they were saying made sense to her. Uh, but then this woman named Sharon came through very clearly and was giving specific messages. And my client got a very quizzical look on her face. And she said, but I don't know a Sharon. And I said, okay, well, this happens sometimes we get people that come through vicariously because they might know somebody that you know and they are trying to get through to them in some capacity. And so they're just kind of fishing around sometimes for that thread of connection. Because I had learned from doing this for so many years that that is often the case that um, they are so well hooked up over there in the spirit world to know when somebody that's uh, direct line to their loved ones is having a reading if they've tried every other recourse available to them th- popping into people's dreams or giving them signs and for whatever reason the people that are earthbound are just not getting it uh, because they're not used to it like Ray said you know this was not his a uh, wheelhouse talking to people in spirit on his own anyway. And um, so Sharon was very determined and she started giving messages to this woman that pertained to the house that we were sitting in. And that's when it dawned on her. She said, oh my God, the man that I bought this house from, his wife passed away. That's why he sold the house. And he's moving. he's moved down to Texas to be with other family members. And he told me his wife's name, was Sharon. So she helped put two and two together and Sharon proceeded to give a few more messages that um, my client could not necessarily validate, but some of them she could, especially those that were with regard to the house and some of the upgrades and changes that she was making as the new owner. And she said, this is crazy. I'm gonna contact Ray and tell him about it. And why don't you take it from there, Ray, when, when." Uh, when she, when Aaron first reached, uh, the client's name was Aaron, and Ray's wife, Sharon. <laughs> so um, when Aaron first reached out to you, why don't you pick up the story just a little bit from there and share that with Thomas?
2: Well, the first time Aaron mentioned that she'd had a conversation with Sharon, she said Sharon likes what I'm doing with the house, and I'm thinking that's nice. Uh, and and then it kind of fell by the wayside and then later there was another reading where Sharon overheard Aaron conversing with Nancy Kelly the lady across the street about planting bulbs in the front yard and Sharon came through and told her I really like what you're doing in the front yard and Aaron relayed that to me and I'm thinking I, I, this this is not happenstance. There's there's a there's a there's a a, a sequence of events here that bears paying attention to. And I asked Erin. I said, "Have you got any list of books, a bibliography of things I can read about conversations with spirits?" And she gave me a list of uh, either six or seven books. I've forgotten now. Uh, And I read them all, and as a result of having read them, I came around to the idea that I ought to be talking to Cheryl and uh, engaging in a reading where I have a direct conversation with my deceased wife, and uh, that's how we got into the business of working together and have been for about seven or eight years
1: now.
0: Yeah. Wow. That is such a, such a happenstance kind of uh, situation. That's amazing that, that uh, Aaron and Sharon came together like that, to bring these messages. It's, it's a coincidence and universal, uh, it's just universal consciousness reaching out in a way, isn't it? And uh, so beautiful. I love this story. And so uh, you had this reading and, 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 Cheryl, when did, when did kind of some of the beings or entities come through during the readings? Like how did this turn into, or how did some of these answers start coming to the questions that Ray was asking him? And what was that like? And, and what kind of major, um, you know, major answers were you guys getting through this process?
1: Yeah, well, I, I think it was probably about two years into Ray's and my connection, or so. Is that about right, Ray? When you started asking questions that were more on a cosmic and universal level.
2: Well, it may not have been quite that long. Uh, it was probably about the third or fourth reading. Okay. And they were they were about. Uh, three to six months apart. So a couple of years, maybe that's possible. Okay. Uh, I just remembered that, that you, I would ask the question of my, my wife, and my father. And as long as they were able to answer the questions, it didn't seem to require any additional support from any entities. But I started asking deeper questions, more technical questions about the nature of their existence and of their environment. And uh, it required uh, some oversight from heavenly beings that heretofore had not been identified.
1: Yeah, and Ray comes up with these uh, very in-depth uh, uh complex questions that he said, I don't know who might want to answer these or if anybody will, but let's give it a try. And I said, okay, I'm game if you are. And um, Archangel Raphael has been my longest term um, angelic contact. And I think that he may have been one of the first ones to respond, but I also have had over the years a lot of contact with Archangel Michael and Gabriel and they all started uh, joining in and helping us out. And the answers that were coming out to these universal quantum physics types of questions that Ray was posing, uh, were very, it was very obvious to me that I was channeling because the answers were coming out without very much hesitation. The majority of them were not in my personal knowledge base or anything I had ever studied in depth. Um, I was a musician before I became a psychic, so science and math, not my, not my thing, um, but uh, I was very intrigued, and after two or three sessions like that, I said to Ray, I said, I am channeling these messages, and I feel like they have wider scope than just for yours and my knowledge and that we need to compile a book and share this with the world, so that's how we went down that route.
2: I, I should probably interject here a little bit more background about what I was doing on the side during these years and before. I never was much of a reader. I didn't, I, in fact, I probably hated reading uh, until I was about 35 years of age and I had an epiphany. I started reading everything that Ayn Rand wrote and then I eventually stumbled into Zechariah Sitchin whose compilation called the earth chronicles attracted my attention regarding aliens. And I had previously engaged with, Eric uh, von Donaghan and chariots of the gods book. And, uh, I had some latent curiosity about a lot of things, but I had begun a career of reading a lot of stuff. Uh, to Graham Hancock's books on the underground, underwater series, series, cities that are being found around the world and things like that. Michio Kaku's books on uh, hyperspace and uh, multidimensional universe. So I, I, wasn't, I wasn't smart enough to dream up all these questions that I asked. Uh, out of the blue they were stimulated by having read a lot of things along the way plus when i retired i sort of was left with uh, time on my hands and i started buying the great courses books on physics the theory of everything quantum mechanics uh, logic Uh, advanced mathematics and stuff like that. So I'm taking these DVD courses at home, and they're bringing up a lot of questions. Uh, I'm taking one right now on philosophy. It's the most revealing thing, because I never was into that. So what I'm saying is that I'm, I'm reading a lot of stuff, like maybe 60 or 70 different books over the period of time before and after Sharon's passing. But so I've got a built-up retinue of questions to ask, and when I when I exhausted the ability of my immediate family to answer them, these archangels and other unidentified ascended masters stepped into the breach.
0: Wow, I love this story, and and. Uh... This is so amazing, like this thirst for knowledge, Ray, was was uh, inside you, like you're reading everything you get your hands on. And and I, I feel like I've gone through that before, just like, I gotta read this and this and this. And it, it, it's such a beautiful time in our lives to read as much as we can in one subject. And and there's so many amazing, great people and theories that you're talking about. I mean, The Chariots of the Gods is a great text along with Graham Hancock's work and and The Underwater. Uh, you know pyramids and temples and all the stuff that's in uh, Southeast Asia around Japan. I mean, that is a serious question that archaeology just can't answer yet. Of who is that and when were those built? There's so much interesting information with Graham Hancock's work, and and the quantum mechanics and physics of Michio This is this is huge questions, and I'm and I'm curious, Cheryl. Before we go any farther, could you? Just for people that haven't heard of archangels or not really heard of entities in the spirit realm, like what is an archangel and and what is an ascended master and how are they, like where are they getting their information and how are they channeling that through you? What is that like?
1: Mm, sure, I'll do my best. Um, archangels are considered to be the, the highest order of the angelic realms, Um, And there aren't as many of them as there are um, angels in other classifications. The primary ones are, um, the primary four, the big four, if you will, that most people are familiar with are Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, and Uriel. And for whatever reason, I have not had uh, any interaction to speak of with Uriel. Maybe we just don't vibe, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, he's he's busy doing other stuff. Uh, Metatron is also an archangel, and the biblical uh, history on on him is that he originally was Enoch, who was a very holy man. Actually, was the son of Cain, who slew his brother Abel back in the Genesis story of the Bible. But they uh, it was said of Enoch, and there is a book of Enoch in the in the Bible, um, it was said of him that Enoch walked with God, and he talked with God, and then there was just a one verse, eventually <clears throat> very short, it just says, and one day Enoch was not, and basically what, and there, there has been a number of books written about Enoch, and there is a book actually called the book of Enoch, separate from the Bible, that was written by, uh, I don't know the name of the person, but it's, it's pretty easily accessible if somebody wanted to Google it, um, it's very intense information by and large, but the story goes that when Enoch uh, was taken or um, transported into the spirit realm and did not leave his physical body behind, much like Elijah in the chariot for those biblical scholars that may be listening, which I think was a spaceship, by the way. Um, anyway, um, Enoch, uh, once he got into the heavenly realms, evolved into Archangel Metatron. Um, Metatron is, uh, among other things, is sort of the patron angel of children. Um, he is the one that you may have seen depicted in some classic artwork uh, that has uh, multiple eyes in his wings that open and close. Uh, he is a watchguard and uh, just an amazing being. Raphael. In my experience with him, uh, one of his specialties is um, working with healing. And he has assisted me with clients uh, numerous times over the 35 years I've done this work, primarily with helping people to heal, sometimes interjecting suggestions to include in people's hypnotherapy if they decide to pursue that work with me. Um, he, I, I, love, I love all of these guys dearly. Um, Michael is known as the warrior angel who battled Lucifer uh, before Lucifer's, uh, well, after Lucifer's fall from grace when he tried to re-enter heaven. And um, Michael also has this sort of truth that is often depicted as being on fire. And so when I get clients that want information about lawsuits in particular that they're engaged in, I say, you need to ask Michael to go into court with you with that sort of truth so that the truth be told. And um, he's, he's beautiful in so many ways, they all are. Um, I had a client just a couple of weeks ago who was scared to pieces when we started her reading. She had two lawsuits coming up on the same day. She had been wrongly accused of something and another one was, uh, was kind of a frivolous lawsuit as well. And I told her to take Michael. I told her what he could do on her behalf, and just to trust and, and try to let her fear go. She texted me later that day. She said, "I was I was acquitted on both counts." So uh, Michael's got some mojo, uh, <laughs> and um, and Gabriel is uh, definitely uh, in the realm of communication. That's one of his specialties. Any type of communication, you know. The, Cole Porter musical Anything Goes, Blow Gabriel Blow was one of the big songs from that. Uh, Gabriel has a trumpet and um, is 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 the angel that appeared to Mary, announcing the birth of her her child in the biblical tradition. So uh, that's kind of a synopsis. I hope that answers your question, but I'm happy to answer any more to the best of my ability.
0: Oh no, that's that's wonderful, and and I think that helps a lot describe of who who we're talking about and. And these uh, these entities, these archangels, uh, specifically, you know, who you're interacting with this in this channeling process, and and I'm curious, Ray, what are some of these burning questions that you had that you started asking that were deeper, that were more into universe, quantum mechanics, and those kinds of things? Like, what was what were some of the big questions that you were asking?
2: Well, the most telling question. That I asked was was it was what Zechariah Sitchin wrote in his eight or twelve eight or ten books of the Earth Chronicles, describing the engineering of mankind out of what was probably Neanderthals, uh, maybe a hundred thousand years ago, to be used as mining labor in the gold mines of Africa. I asked them, is this true? And they said, yes. Um, But later on, in like years past and other readings, I learned that the creator or the all-there-is God ordered these people, the Anunnaki, off the planet about 500 years bc because of their mismanagement of mankind whom they created and the reason for that is that basically they would basically taught mankind war because they got into a lot of internecine battles among themselves and used human fodder for the armies.
1: And created slave labor as in ancient Egypt, among other things.
2: Yes, absolutely. And then it became clear that there was another overlaying problem from heaven's point of view that dives into the realm of physics and that is that when there is a nuclear explosion on Earth, the energy from that nuclear explosion does not travel with the speed of light into space as mankind's and best engineers and physicists assume. It travels interdimensionally at greater than the speed of light into other galaxies and other planets and poses a threat to these other civilizations and at this point god steps in to the picture and says i want you anunnaki people beings to return to earth and teach mankind how to undo this propensity for war and they're coming back They're coming back in 2022. So, and Archangel Michael, I think it was the one that said that there is a convoy already in route. Um, Yeah, and that's why. These are astounding things. Mm -hmm. And I asked my father, who's been in heaven since about 1992, I think who is he's he's an avid reader in the Hall of Akashic Records, which is a holographic library of everything that ever happened in all universes. And uh, he, he goes there to study history. But you can find out in the Hall of Akashic Records, you can find out what is happening now or has already happened, but you can't see into the future because the future is uncertain because it depends on Beings do civilizations, mankind, free will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he came back uh, in a month or so with an answer. Ships with twenty-three beings minimum on each ship, but they would not all arrive at the same time. They would cut gradually because they didn't want to appear as an invasion force. Because they're coming in as counselors and teachers and persuaders to try to nudge us away from nuclear war and I asked a lot of questions about what happens if this doesn't work out and we had ongoing discussions about how other aliens on this planet of which there are many and have been for up to a million years, how many of how much effort can they put forth to defusing nuclear warheads? And the answer is they can do a lot, but it's not a guarantee. So there's, because there's jamming, anti-jamming software and all these warheads, and I know all of this because I've done, worked in that area. Uh, So the the re- direction of humanity is at the top of the list of things coming up, and uh, mankind's propensity for internecine warfare among governments is going to be brought under terribly thorough scrutiny and correction. And that's
1: about it. That's about all I know on that subject right now. That's a lot, right? uh, That's why there was some urgency, definitely, Thomas, to getting this book out now uh, with the anticipated arrival of the Anunnaki and the return of them next year. We were told that we needed to get this information out there to people who are seeking this type of material and are open to it so that they have a little bit of lead time to prepare. Um, And in the book, we also included the fact that uh, the angels said, you know, this time these alien uh, contacts will not be swept under the rug by governments. They're going to arrive. People with the advent of cell phones all over the world are going to be able to take pictures, not only of the craft, the spacecraft, but also of the beings that emerge from it. And it's going to be, you know, internationally recognized that they're here, Uh, whereas they've been in very secretive for the most part up to this point in time. So since I was a little kid, like three years old, I used to lay out on the grass of our front yard. I grew up in Missouri and uh, in the in the late 50s, early 60s, it was a very safe place to grow up um and uh, my parents would let me lay out there at night on a blanket looking up at the stars and until they decided okay that's enough let's bring her in and one night i was looking up and i was just kind of in a sing-songy way the kids do you know i was i was looking up at the stars and i was singing come get me come get me and my dad was walking toward me and he heard this and he he came up behind me. He said, "Oh, honey, did you know Daddy was coming to get you?" I said, "No, I'm talking to them." He goes, "Them? Who?" And I pointed at the stars. I said, "Them up there. I want to I want to go for a ride." <laughs> and he he kind of looked at me like, "Okay, I got a lunatic kid. Okay, let's get you in bed and get you out out of the yard." So, I have been open to this, and it's thrilling to me to kind of have it come full circle. Um, you know, sixty plus years after that initial. Openness, and probably an openness that extended into past lives that I've had as well.
0: Oh, this is so interesting because you know if we really look at the the history of ufology, you know, 1947 was the Roswell crash, right? And and mm-hmm. just before that, 1945, uh, if I got my date exactly right, it you know that was the atomic weapons used in Japan, uh, 1944 maybe. Um, so it's, there's so many reports of, of people working in the, the nuclear silos, right? That everything's, you know, there's been the orders that come through to launch weapons, nuclear warheads, and suddenly there's UFOs around that are shutting down, that are messing with the electrical switches. There's not just one story, but multiple stories. And there's the famous one in Montana, um, years and years ago. Um, and, and what's so interesting is that all of this you know, there's not a lot of mainstream coverage of this until more recently of, of all the tic-tac and all that stuff. That trickle effect of what you guys are talking about is of, of this really slow uh, drip drop feed of, of of disclosure, I guess, if you will. So that's really interesting that uh, this is, you know, what the guides are saying. This is what the archangels are talking about. Is is the Anunnaki are coming back? And uh, I want to ask, you know, what are some other what are some other areas you were you were asking deeper into? Was there what was some quantum mechanics or physics or black holes dimension, those kinds of things? like what what else were you guys looking into? Well,
2: one of the first things that my wife told me when I asked her what she did in her spare time, uh, she well, one thing she does is she's part of a team that greets little children that die prematurely and uh, that sort of thing. She studied art under uh, Monet. She, my wife was a art a sculptress and did some charcoal edgings and that sort of thing, but she never seemed to be interested in floral stuff. But she took a course under Monet, as she reported to me. But she also took a ride...
0: Electromagnetic frequencies, or EMFs, are affecting your body right now. The World Health Organization reports that EMFs can cause headaches, anxiety, depression, nausea, fatigue, loss of libido, and sleep disturbances. What if you could protect yourself from the EMF fogs and the 5G rollouts? I've been trying products from Essential Vibes and I noticed a huge difference. The live blood tests show that your blood flow increases with less globules. You sleep better, have more balance, the muscle testing proves this so go to mountainmindtricks.com slash emf protection to learn more i was so impressed with these products i had to add this to my natural wellness program so check out essential vibes and go to mountainmindtricks.com slash emf protection that's com slash emf protection
1: are you still there ray i think we lost him he'll call back um I can kind of finish this until he does, just so that there's not dead air here. Um, She took a ride in a black hole and described it very much like, um, um, I'm trying to text Ray here and let him know we lost him here. Uh, But she described it kind of like a a major um, luge ride (laughs) in in a cosmic way that was just fascinating. Uh, So, um, um, yeah, that that was news to me that we could do things like that. And Ray, of course, was very intrigued um, by her experience and and asked her more questions along those lines. Um, Just while waiting for Ray to call back, I just want to mention that this man, I have such admiration for him. He is an octogenarian and... He is one of the sharpest and um, brightest people you could ever hope to meet and have beautiful discussions with. He's also a very compassionate and kind human being. And um, I'm so grateful to have worked on this project with him. Here he comes back, okay. Okay, we're back, go right ahead. I, I just told him a little bit about the black hole ride that Sharon described, but why don't you,
2: do it in more yeah, detail well, I, for some reason we got cut off here I don't know okay. was my end or your, your. anyway uh, she uh, I asked her some questions about the passage of time or perception of the passage of time and uh, things like that and uh, she she described the vivid and spectacular colors that were visible to her and uh, I said I asked her if she had to have any special technical knowledge. She said, no, she's just along for the ride that somebody else knew what they were doing. <laughs> so uh, then I asked another question. I said because one of the one of the things I'd been reading about was wormholes and apparently she went through a wormhole too, but that was at a greater distance in her perception. And I I asked I said, Do you know what wormhole it was where. And uh, she implied uh, that she was pretty sure it was at the center of the Milky Way. So uh, that was not just a little astounding. And uh, I, I, I think that, that, that having any perception at all about time and distance in her situation may not be transferable to mortals intelligence and perception but anyway she did a she did a yeoman job of trying anyway <laughs> uh, so that was that was one thing that was pretty spectacular in my opinion absolutely
0: wow this is this is so interesting and amazing because uh you know, specifically, I would say, oh, what year was this? 2017, I think. I had this uh, deep transcend, uh, transcending kind of moment during meditation, and I was blasted out of my body in this meditation, and um, I traveled to the center of the sun, to which turned into these—I call them light paths. But a luge, yeah, I could see that for sure because I was shot from this sun to the next sun to the next sun. I was just kind of traveling so fast from sun to sun to sun, until I came to the center of the Milky Way, which happened to be the same exact thing. I traveled to the center of the Milky Way and went through this luge or this, this really tunnel of light. And that took me to like basically expanded my perspective to the next Milky or to the next galaxy, to more galaxies until I could see in this, in this vision that I had was Kind of the entire universe it was like clusters of galaxies that were sparking like neurology it was this really interesting time but when you're 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 uh sharon is talking about this i can't help but but tell you guys about this because this is so striking strikingly similar that wow that really kind of like gives me chills because I did experience that. I've never heard anybody else talk about that. So like, I really appreciate you and thank you for sharing that story. And, and I'm curious on your reaction to that. And also what are some more questions you guys were, were going through?
1: Yeah, well, that's a, that's a phenomenal experience there that you shared. Thank you for sharing that Thomas. That's, that's great. Um, There is such an interconnectivity uh, between dimensions. And one of my Mentors was very fond of saying, "Science is coming to the rescue of spirituality," and I I find that to be so true because you know they are continuing to find new planets and new galaxies and new black holes all the time now. So uh, I'm envious of your experience. I'm going to meditate with that intention and see if I can have my own. (laughs) So go ahead, Ray. I'm sorry. Do you have?
2: No, I was just going to say that one of the uh, global views that most people have, and certainly I was one of them, was that you have this image of uh, clouds and harps and
1: uh, peace. <laughs> Boring.
2: And what I've found with a lot of questions is that uh, if you wanted to have that personal view of heaven, you could. But the infrastructure of heaven is highly, uh, organized and managed and technically, uh, astounding. For example, I asked, uh, if you want to take a walk in the forest, do you have to dream up a forest or is there an infrastructure forest there or whatever? And the answer is yes, both. You can have your own forest, or you can take advantage of forests that other people have created that are still there. What do you when you walk in the forest? Do you feel like there's something solid under your feet? Answer is yes. Uh, when you greet people, uh, do you hug them? You give them a hug, and uh, the answer was yeah, you could. But your most of your communication is telepathic, and there's a sense of belonging when you have group groups getting together. And so uh, I said, "Well, what when you get together with a bunch of other spirits? What do what do you uh, what do you do? You don't drink cocktails and eat hors d'oeuvres, I'm pretty sure." And the answer is, "Well, you might do that once or twice until it." realize it's not going to give you a kick. Uh, And Cheryl recounts the story of her mother with the coffee. Why don't you tell him that?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, my mother, bless her heart. Um, She was a dyed in the wool Pentecostal and that's the church I grew up in and we would go sometimes as many as five times a week, primarily because my younger brother was born with severe cerebral palsy. And when he turned up in our lives. He became my mother's reason for living. Um, and she wanted to do everything in her power to try and get him healed. And so we would go to these hands-on healing meetings in the church and he would look up at me. We had a tremendous telepathic communication between us. He only spoke about five or six words. Um, but we understood each other perfectly and just my soulmate. I I try to tell my clients, I say, you know, people think of soulmates as being a romantic partner. That is not always the case by any means. It can be a sibling. It can be a friend, somebody with whom you are so in sync that you don't have really any other uh, comparison basis with other people in your circle. And Johnny was that for me. And so he was a subject uh, as well as of my psychic evolution of my first book, which is called Johnny Angel is My Brother, A Psychic Medium's Journey. That's been out for um, about 16 years now. And I'm working on updating it currently. But um, anyway, I I went around the bend. I pulled an Ellen DeGeneres there and went around the bend. Sorry about that, Ray. You were telling me the coffee story. Okay, so my mom uh, was not. Thrilled to have a psychic kid Um, from the age of two. I was and I know this because my my folks told me uh, I was telling her stories about dreams that I had. And most of the time in the beginning, they were about our family, pretty basic little kid stuff, but things that hadn't happened yet. And then they started having a funny way of coming true. Um, For example, we were looking for a new home and I had this dream and I told my mother, we're gonna to move to a pink house with a fireplace. And she said, oh, honey, that's so cute. Little girls all love pink. I said, no, I. you know, blue is my favorite color but we're gonna to move to a pink house. And she thought, oh, ha, 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 you know. Well, within I like think a couple of months of that, my dad could not qualify for a lot of the houses that he'd been looking for. He was her senior by about 15 years and um, he was getting close to retirement age already. And the one house that he qualified for in a suburb of Kansas City, Missouri, where I grew up, uh, we drove up up, over to it and it was, you know, kind of far from the first home we had. And as we pulled in the driveway, he goes, Cheryl, what color is the house? And I said, it's pink. And I looked up at the top of the roof and I said, and it has a chimbley. (laughs) and my mother's going oh my god what is going on here so um then my dreams got bigger in scope as time went on i saw the six-day war between egypt and israel two weeks before it happened told her about that she said oh honey wars don't last six days two weeks later there it was on tv she snapped the tv off and said i don't know where that's coming from but i think it's the devil you make it stop and she was suffering from cancer at that point in time. And I didn't wanna complicate her life anymore, but I said, I'm only 11, I'm not working with the devil. And um, anyway, from heaven, she and I now, from her perspective, being in heaven now for going on 50 years, um, we, we're we best buddies. We get along like gangbusters and she helps me so much with readings. And she has been one of my main sources as far as, um, formerly you know in human form contact of telling me about heaven and its propensities and she was a huge coffee drinker and she told me one of the first things she did and and she was the first one to tell me too this was through another medium this was before I had a lot of this going on myself before I developed my own gifts and um, she said you know I have a house over here we can have houses if we want and she said there really is no night in heaven, as far as I've experienced, but if you want the illusion of night, you can draw the curtains just by looking at them and imagining them closing, and she said, I have a coffee table, and one day, I hadn't been here very long, and I thought, gosh, I really miss coffee. I think it would be so nice to have a wonderful cup of coffee again, and poof, you know, one appeared on the coffee table next to her. And she thought, oh my gosh, that smells delicious. And she picked it up, picked up the cup and took a sip. And she said, it tastes delicious too, this is great. But then after she finished the cup, she sat there for a minute. And she realized it had done nothing for her because she had no adrenals for the, and there was no caffeine in the coffee. It was all made up of what my main mentor used to call the substance of etheria, uh, thought and spirit together. And so she thought, well, she tried it a few more times, but then she said, what a waste, you know? <laughs> I'm. Mean, this is just a, a silly exercise. I don't need to do this anymore. So that's what really on
2: what doing. I heard from Sharon. The smell of the
1: coffee and the taste of the coffee were from memory. Right. That's right. They can recreate memories, fond memories that they have from their earthly experience.
2: You asked about the, the astounding stuff. One of the things that, really caught my attention was that there I discovered that there are I didn't discover they told me there are 18 management levels in uh, and their councils management councils assigned to planets and galaxies and universes and they are we are under as many as three different management councils because of the one where we are in the universe and the other two are based on the other aliens that are here on this planet and are under their management councils. So there is a lot of oversight and a lot of uh, uh, structure to graduating knowledge. I, I asked my wife, I said, are you going to climb up the ladder of success and, and I'll never see you when I get dead, when I die and come there? We're going to pass in the night and never see each other. She said, no, no, no. She says, just because I get smarter doesn't mean I'm going away anywhere. Because I asked, I said, is this your final state of existence or do you know what your final state of existence is? And the answer was, well, if, if this is it, I'm happy uh these of the of the dimensions, they told me uh, that prime numbers are very important. The number of dimensions for a consistent set of dimensions has to be a prime number. And the prime number thirteen is what is germane to earth with three dimensions and heaven with ten. Now, there are four more dimensions, which would get you to 17, which is another prime number, but that's mostly the analytical area for further creation and so forth. So there's a, there's a high degree of mathematical structure to everything that's discoverable about heaven. I asked the archangels, what dimension do you have mobility in and it seems like they had a a mobility in four or five different dimensions they can also appear before these management councils and I'm not too sure what they do there but there's
0: management so (laughs) whatever that's 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 more than I know Wow. These, these prime numbers, I really want to ask you more about this because something that I've experienced through meditation is that, uh, there's in, to me, there's this, uh, sacred geometry that's kind of embedded in everything. And, and to me, the, the prime numbers that you're talking about is, is probably, uh, alluding to this, or I'm curious on how, any quantum mechanics you've studied or any questions you've asked through this process if sacred geometry ever did come up or you know sacred geometry and fractals specifically
2: yeah well i'm yeah, I've, I've had a course in fractals and i've had a course in partial and partial and uh, partial fractions and not i can't claim that i remember a whole lot um uh, because this was back in the dark ages, but. <laughs> The, the, I asked the question, can you explain the importance of prime numbers? And when I ask a question like that, I am very often, I get an answer that says in no uncertain terms, we don't know how to explain it to you, so you will understand it. So just take it and keep it and i asked about gravity i said do you understand what gravity is i said i've taken this course on the theory of everything i've taken four i've taken four different courses on quantum mechanics and i can't claim that i'm any smarter after taking four courses on quantum mechanics than i was when i started but it borders on the metaphysical and the question is how does gravity play into this and what is gravity and the answer is, well, you don't really need to know what gravity is in order to know how to deal with it. And that, and that, I said, well, are you telling me that that you can't explain it to me? And they said, next question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome, I love it. And and so we talked about Akashic records before, and and I'm curious, Cheryl, have you are you familiar with Michael Newton's work as far as? you know, lives between lives and kind of the way he explained it with so many clients was that they were kind of lined up like the DMV, like with a number of, they would go up to the, to the desk and say, and pick their life. Really. They would pick what they would be reincarnated. In. And I'm curious if any of those kinds of things came up, uh, through, through your reading throughout the years of this life between lives and kind of reincarnation.
1: Sure. Um, One of my favorite aspects of hypnotherapy that I practice is past life regression. And I always tell people the main reason to venture down that path is to help you understand more about your soul so that it can serve you better in this current lifetime. Because this is the one in which we have the most power, of course. Yes, I have read Michael Newton. His books are wonderful. My favorite is his first one called Journey of Souls. Uh, His follow-up was Destiny of Souls, and he's written many others, uh, notably about the life between lives. Um, I do believe that we have more say-so in creating the life that we are about to embark upon with each iteration or reincarnation that the soul might choose to do. I don't feel that we are forced to come back here or possibly even to any other planet to have a subsequent life, but that if it is something that would serve the soul and you are willing to orchestrate the main bullet points, uh, if you will, that you want to experience in the upcoming life, there are guides and angels and other people that um, on that side that are going to play roles in your life. I always use the analogy that Shakespeare was a brilliant, he was definitely an evolved soul, whether he was one person or whether he was many that just went by the name of Shakespeare, as there is a controversy about Um, very evolved being and uh, universal consciousness. And um, I think it is Twelfth Night, where the all the world's a stage speech comes from. I believe that's the play. I may be wrong on that. A Shakespearean uh, fan might might call in and say nope she missed on that one but <laughs> anyway a uh, famous speech that everybody is familiar with that essentially distills down to all the worlds of stage and all the people merely players and I really do feel like some people say okay you want to learn that lesson you want to learn to overcome adversity so you're going to need a villain in your play of your life. So I, vol- I love you enough. I volunteer to be that villain or to be an abuser in some way to help you get that lesson that you want to get so that you can stand up for yourself. I will be, uh, another one might say, I will be your stalwart companion or your soulmate. I will be your best friend. Um, I definitely believe we have so much more say-so and it's like all the fine print and the life contract that you set up for yourself kind of disappears once you arrive on the earth but little kids especially have major uh, waves of deja vu and I think part of that is there there's a recognition on some level I know that was my case in grade school when I would finish other people's sentences at school both my classmates and my teachers and it was they found it quite annoying but I couldn't help myself sometimes I felt like I'd been there before and I knew exactly what they were going to say and I would say it in tandem with them and they would look at me like I was a freak, and I guess I was. But um, when people told me I was a freak or weird as I got older, I would just say, thank you. It's pretty boring to be <laughs> normal. So um, anyway, I, yeah, I believe we can orchestrate that. I do believe there is life between lives. Um, I just want to mention that in our book, Cosmic Talk Show, Ray and I compiled a very extensive bibliography of a lot of the books that he has mentioned here today, as well as many of the uh, spiritual and metaphysical ones that I have read, so that people have a reference base. Uh, We also have a list of films and television shows that we think um, some people might find very interesting if they have not um, looked into those, you know, for their own edification, entertainment, edutainment, however you want to look at it. that is part of our book and um, we we just want to be considered messengers who are presenting this information for those who are thirsty or hungry for it we're not trying to convert anybody to our way of belief Um, we're just sharing
0: yeah i love this i love this. what
2: we believe is uh being molded in real time because We have been uh, allowed or honored to be exposed to a lot of information that is is well beyond anything we could have imagined. Yeah. I, I, I hardly think that five years ago I was smart enough to ask the questions that came out of my mouth.
1: Well, I certainly didn't have a conscious knowledge of the answers that came out of mine. Um, I, I had done channeling many years before. You had asked earlier, Thomas, and I just briefly wanted to touch upon it. You had asked about um, uh, ascended masters and evolved beings. And I used to channel a group of those, um, gosh, over 20 years ago called the Brotherhood of Light. And I would do that sitting at the computer with my eyes closed and they would... Dictate things. And when I opened my eyes, I was always astounded. There were very few typos. Um, But the Brotherhood of Light, you can look them up, you can Google them. Uh, They are comprised of beings such as Jesus, um, Saint Germain, who had many iterations. It is said he was Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, the carpenter, uh, as well as um, Saint Francis of Assisi, just among some of his iterations. And um, I believe for those who are Esther Hicks and Abraham fans, of which I am, I have been ever since I first found them around 1995, uh, before way before they signed with Hay House and became best-selling authors. Um, I put their teachings right up there in the top five that I have ever found in 50 years of studying metaphysics. And Abraham is a collective group of what I consider to be uh, evolved beings ascended masters that just identify with the singular name of abraham so if you want to learn more about them i suggest anybody listening that has a curiosity go to youtube and type in esther hicks and abraham all kinds of amazing videos will come up of seminars that they have conducted over the years where people go in the hope that they're going to be able to pose a question to abraham and there's marvelous stuff in their teaching and it also is infused with a good deal of humor it is not dry boring stuff at all
0: Yeah, i love it i love it and and so
2: earlier if there were any astounding things that we learned and uh, I, I have to tell you a couple more one more is that the importance of god's granting free will to all sentient beings plays such a dominant role in the history of existence that it's hard to imagine uh, what that dominance is. But I have heard all my life people say things like, God wouldn't let that happen. Why does God let people suffer? Why does God let this war go on? and things like that and the reason for those questions is because people do not understand the full ramifications of free will free will says there's a lot of crap going to happen and somehow with incredible divine intelligence the will of God gets worked And uh, so there's a a supreme message in that waiting for those that are willing to grasp it. Another major point that we've learned about is time travel. Um, There's a grandfather conflict if you have time travel in the past. People say you can't go back in time because... If you shot your grandfather, then your grandfather would not have any children, and you could have never been born, and therefore it's a conflict, and therefore you can't travel into the past. The answer came back when I brought this subject up is that, of course, you can go back into the past, but only as an observer, not a participant. And that is a monumental difference, a logical difference of tremendous proportion. That's about all I know right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah I,
1: Quantum, Quantum Leap was one of my favorite TV shows about time travel, and that was one of the caveats that uh, Sam, uh, Scott Bakula's character, had. He was uh, he was not supposed to interfere with historic events um, other than to maybe help or improve something, but he was limited, supposedly, in how much he could participate.
0: Wow. I love that. I love the time travel uh, and, and everything that you guys have been talking about is just, it's just astounding. And, and I do want to hit on that time travel for a second because it's so interesting of the, the work I do with my clients uh, you know, in um, mental and emotional releases. We work with the timeline and we actually go back in time and kind of reframe negative emotions or limiting beliefs. And it's kind of a hypnosis guided meditation type thing. But it's so interesting that they go back in time and they observe the event with a different lens, and it helps them heal a lot. So it's so interesting this this idea of going back in time as an observer, because that's that's something that's really close to me. That's that's so beautiful. And and I want to go back to this. Um, I do want to hit on the Anunnaki coming back in two thousand twenty two. And and correct me if I'm wrong, it's it's a it's not about invasion. It's not about um, negativity it's about raising our vibration and helping us overcome this really uh hard time that we're in and and maybe it's like this uh, awakening or um you know i guess there's like kind of that new age way of talking about the the next enlightenment if you will or or kind of this mass consciousness uh change right is that is that resonate with what you guys have been told by from the guides yes uh difficulty is going to be
2: the, and this is a monumental problem, is that the world's governments uh, have a vested interest in the military-industrial complex because military power is perceived to be the the guardian of peace. in other words, you make it so bad for the other guy that he just wouldn't dream of attacking you. And we've had various leaders that espouse that logic and the logic worked for us during the Cold War uh, because neither we nor the Russians actually wanted to destroy the planet. But uh, I've asked this question of the archangels is that now we've got a religious group on the planet that... Wouldn't mind if you destroyed the planet because they're on. Got these seventy-two virgins in heaven waiting for. Them. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, and the archangels acknowledged that that was a fractional group that uh, uh, were out of control, so to speak. So that's part of what has to be addressed: is the not caring if you destroy the planet business so it's a big job for the anunnaki
1: yeah and it's it's kind one of one a... of the
2: things that mm-hmm. the, one of the things that the archangel suggested is is that the the of population and they talk they talk at length on on occasion about mass consciousness because I, I i this this whole business of mass consciousness came up because they suggested that we're on the verge of learning how to deal with the fourth dimension. And, and I said, well, how's that going to work? Because the technology that we are stuck with is three-dimensional technology. We build three-dimensional instrumentation for three-dimensional measurements in a three-dimensional universe. And uh, we're not even too sure that all the particles that come from nuclear fission actually reside in the third dimension maybe only for picoseconds and then they go into some other space and they said yeah that's right so so I said how are we going to do how are we going to develop instrumentation to deal with the fourth dimension when we can hardly even visualize it we can't draw a picture of it on a plane on a piece of paper with pencil and uh, they said well it's going to have to come from a mass consciousness i said mass consciousness is the exact opposite polar zone from tight-knit technical team needed for a three dimensions for work in the three dimensions they said yeah it's a problem but they didn't give me an answer
1: <laughs> well it's a a lot of it i think is about um consciously evolving for those beings who are willing to, to actually operating, rising above that one more notch, uh, to operating in the fifth dimension, um, the dawning of the age of Aquarius, uh, all of that. Um, it's, It's about, I think, being still grounded here physically in the third dimension, but on a consciousness level, those who wish to operate at that fifth dimensional plane are going to start being able to do that more easily. And what I was just gonna to add to what Ray was saying about the Anunnaki a little bit ago was it's, it was presented to us as definitely a win-win situation. They are coming here to help us, but they are coming here at the dispensation of the creator of all that is of what I am very comfortable calling God um, to make a course correction of their own it's kind of a karmic balancing. So they're getting um, that out of it, as well as helping us. So it is definitely, in my mind, a win-win event that's coming up.
2: By the way, one interesting side note is a question that I asked is, how many aliens are there on this planet that live here normally that we don't see because they're either shapeshifters Or they are invisible, or they're something that we don't recognize as aliens. How many of them are in governments on this planet? And the answer was about a thousand. Now, what are they doing? I I asked, I said, what are they doing? Well, they're nudging. At at one time, uh, I read this book by uh, Natalie sudman called the application of impossible things she was a she's in the bibliography she was a program manager in uh, iraq and she got blown apart in a iud in her in the vehicle and she and spent she spent some time in heaven in a a near-death experience until they pieced her back together but she said one of the things she discovered in heaven was that nobody Compels you to do anything. They nudge you, they suggest, they persuade, they invite, but it's, you you don't lose your identity. And um, I think that's really important in trying to understand why there's not a lot of intervention. The heavenly beings are by divine law restrained from intervening and the alien forces perhaps not by divine law but custom tend to move in mysterious ways as well and i think there's not a lot of compelling action here but it's i think I get, this is my interest, Ray Zachary talking, I think things are about to change a lot. Okay, we? Yeah. Away,
1: yeah. And, and Well, and I feel that uh, with the advent of COVID and the lockdown, the quarantine and all of that, I feel that on some level that was not immediately apparent when all of this hit the world, um, is that there is the ability to utilize this time that a lot of us now have on our hands that was not present before to go within, to start to raise that consciousness level, that vibration. As Abraham talks about, we are vibrational beings that operate at at frequencies. And it's very true. If you doubt it, walk across the carpet, scuff your feet, and then touch touch a doorknob, and you're going to shock your butt. Um, But that's, that's, you know, like I said, I'm not a scientist like Ray, but that's my very uh, layman's way of of, uh, telling people that they can look at that. So um, I just, I really do feel there is a gift that is going to emerge from this darkness that COVID has brought about, if we are willing to recognize the gift. And if more of us start taking seriously the precautions, the safety precautions that we need to be paying attention to as well in order to overcome this thing. This is, of course, not the first pandemic that the world has been through by any stretch of the imagination, but it's the first one that many of us under the age of 100 have ever gone through on you know, the grand scope of, of what this one has turned out to be.
0: Yeah, there, there's... Uh... Such a such a hard time in the world, but it seems like such a gift. You're right of being able to go within and and help ourselves heal or reach out and find the healers that can help us really just feel okay in the world and and be with their families and be with their friends and in such a better way. I, I do think it's it's a hard time, but it's a very beautiful time in some ways. And uh, I appreciate you bringing that to light. And and this this mass consciousness idea, I. I feel like there's this, um, there's this theory in, in mathematics and physics of, of kind of, you know, it only takes like 1% of something to change the rest of it, right? And, and I cannot remember this exact uh, theory or what it's called. Maybe Ray can help me out here. But it's almost like if 1% of humanity kind of rose their consciousness, came to a higher consciousness level, then maybe we could help a lot of maybe everybody could could have that higher level vibration. And and I know that's a very new age thing to talk about, but is there is there some science, scientific principles behind that, Ray? Yeah, I think it has to do with propagation theory. (laughs) Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, propagating. And and I think that that comes, you know, I always talk about how like tuning forks, you know, you have one tuning fork close enough to the next tuning fork, the other one's actually going to start vibrating just the same as the other one it's really interesting how you know maybe our hearts inside of our body is is basically a tuning fork and if we're carrying that vibration then we're kind of propagating that aren't we
1: yeah that's a beautiful analogy yeah it,
0: and so so uh, is there anything else we haven't talked about yet uh as far as like when is the book coming out and and what's that gonna be like
1: well, it's, it's out on Amazon right now. It came out earlier this month in ebook form. Uh, it's also on barnesandnoble.com. And through we went through Book Baby as far as uh, publisher. We're going to self publish uh, subsequent volumes. We plan on having at least one sequel, possibly two, because Ray, as you might have deduced, has a never ending stream of questions. And I love that about him. Um, so we have more material than what we were able to include in this book, even though it's about 300 pages long, um, but we are gonna keep this the, the sequels shorter. Um, it will be available in paperback form on Amazon um, day after Valentine's day, February 15th.
0: Oh, that's amazing! I can't wait to to read your book because, uh, as you can tell, I have so many questions about this this uh, this realm that you guys are working with. You know, the uh, it's I guess it's so interesting because, just like you, Cheryl, I've been open since I was a little kid, and I've had so many experiences throughout life. I've had my own near death experiences, my own meditation kind of moments, and and all of the things that I've studied in life, and all the things I've gone through. Have just pointed to that there's so much more to our reality than just the physical body just the mechanical uh you know gears that are turning and and there's so much more out there there's so much more going on in in the humanity of what we are and what how we experience the universe right
1: absolutely absolutely and the timeline therapy that you mentioned that you have done with clients, I've done some of that. And it's very valuable work. And again, just bless you for everything you do for the planet and for her inhabitants, Thomas.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And, and where can people get a hold of you, find you uh, for you or Ray?
1: Well, um, we have we created an email uh, for this book. It's just CosmicTalkShow at gmail.com. That's an easy way to do it uh, because it'll stand out for you related to the book. I currently don't have a website, but I do have a blog and it's um, Cheryl Booth, C-H-E-R-Y-L-B-O-O-T-H dot com. uh, I'm sorry, dot wordpress.com. I used to have a website and it was Cheryl Booth dot com. I took that down a few years ago because I was contending with a number of health issues and I needed to cut back. But I am back to doing readings and my other spiritual work on a part-time basis so cherylbooth.wordpress.com will get people to some testimonials descriptions of my work um contact information and ray i don't know if you want any other things out there in the in the, in the etherverse about how people could reach you or is the cosmic well, talk show at it's, gmail it's, enough
2: it's, you want to make a central place and your, then the website, the uh, email that you have there well, could be a filtering place for all the questions. I, I have imagined that it is very difficult for people to read what we have pr- produced without coming up with some questions, and the questions may lead us to more uh, readings with more questions for the for the headshed the 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 archangels (laughs) and uh and that would produce more volume for the future volume future book um so so i think i think that's probably good to have a central place for everything although i don't know what the volume of emails would be i mean it could be 10 it could be a thousand or something i don't know
0: all right. Nope, yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much for, for, uh, sharing your information and sharing all your knowledge and everything that you've, uh, you know, come to throughout this process. And I'm curious, um, last question here is, is really like, what is the most important answer question series that you guys have, have worked with them um, and, or do you have any last thoughts on all of this?
2: Well, I, I, I think it's a- Important for mankind to realize that uh, we have a responsibility for what we think and do, but I think in the great picture of things, we're not in charge. Uh, that's my personal opinion. We are we're responsible for what we do, but. It's not like we're out here all by ourselves and having to uh, do it in the dark. The spectrum of aliens that are impinging on the history of this planet is wide and deep. And I was astounded to learn that Archangel Michael is a, kind of the chairperson of a committee of head heads of various alien factions as well as heavenly factions manage what's going on on this planet. Uh, the fact that there's, a, there's, a, there's not a clear line in mind between aliens and heavenly beings. I know that there's a difference, but I couldn't tell you what that difference is.
1: Yeah. Anyway, And and just to kind of nutshell and uh, shorthand your question there, Thomas, I, I just think one of the most valuable things that has been brought home to me time and time again over the years and through the course of producing this book, too, is that one of the most important lessons that we all can carry with us is to practice the golden rule as often as possible. Treat others the way that you would like to be treated. And um, in the words of the immortal John Lennon, who has contacted me from spirit, in fact, given me the genesis of a screenplay that I am working on uh, getting a production company interested in, um, all you need is love.
0: Oh, I love it so much. I Thank you so much for such an amazing I like conversation.
2: To add that one of the things that I think if I didn't learn anything else about this whole venue that I've been involved in for 10 years now probably is that religion is man-made Amen <laughs> and what Jesus said is if you didn't learn anything else from what I told you here on my in my life is to love one another and to do unto others as you would have them do unto you and i can't tell you how hard that is for mankind to do i have concluded that that is the most difficult thing to do is to love one another because you can't
0: decide who's in the love group and who isn't yeah it's such a, such a beautiful message and it's so important throughout time and especially today in these trying times isn't it and uh I just want to thank you guys again so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom, sharing your knowledge, and and uh, just sharing your journey with us and and helping us find our sacred ancestry and and bring us back to that knowing that we're a being of light and and I really appreciate everything that you shared today and uh, for everybody listening, I just encourage you to go out there and find your sacred ancestry because. Whatever you think you are, you are so much more than that.
1: Thank you. Yes, thank you so much, Thomas. We've enjoyed this and really appreciate you.
0: Oh, thank you.